I want to give you some quick Raptors history if I could since we're on the subject. Did you know it's only been three Raptors players in franchise history to win this award? David Stoudemire, me, and a six foot seven rookie from West Palm Beach, Florida, my fellow Florida boy, The Toronto Raptors are still alive in the NBA playoffs. After it seemed all the air was sucked out of the Scotiabank Arena with Joel Embiid's game-winning triple in Game 3, the Raptors gutsily defended home court and made sure this series is going back to Philly. Now, it might be a little bit of an overstatement to say that the win has opened the series completely up, but if there's anyone... If there is anyone to drop a 3-1 lead, we know it's Doc Rivers. This is your Balling in the Six on the Whistle podcast. Now, after capitulating, at least offensively, uh, in Game 3 overtime and for much of the second half, to be honest, it was important that the Raptors came out strong and in Pascal Siakam's case, came out aggressive. This was highlighted by the number of times this man got to the free throw line, especially in the first half. It was interesting to see that he seemed to have, at least today, brought his mixed bag of tricks. You know, the spin moves, the mid-range, driving hard to the hoop. Because in Game 3, you could see that Philly had a pretty simple but effective defensive plan for him, which was essentially Embiid would uh, come off his man, even if it was someone like Boucher or Precious who can shoot a three, and essentially block that lane. Because we know Siakam can drive past the likes of Niang and even Tobias Harris. But with Embiid there, he's extremely, extremely reluctant to go in. But you know what? He Fair play to him. He made those comments after game three that he has to be more aggressive he didn't realize he only took five shots in the second half and this time he just went all out 10 of 19 from the field 13 of 15 from the free throw line he scored 34 points to go with eight rebounds five assists and two blocks and for all you know the snap reaction last game Siakam can never be a number one option this guy showed up tonight and showed why he is the guy to carry this franchise forward. It was a much needed as well because Fred Van Vliet, now at this moment we still don't know exactly what his injury is, but the fact that he ripped his jersey essentially in half uh, when he went off in the um, second quarter shows that it's not an amazing sign. More details will come out, uh, especially before Monday's game, but he left because of a left hip strain, did not return, went straight to the locker room and essentially we could only see 15 minutes of Van Vliet and even in those 15 minutes he wasn't looking comfortable. He was a plus on the floor and credit to him for playing through and showing his commitment to the franchise but this was not a comfortable night and it was up to Pascal Siakam essentially to run the point in his 44 minutes on the floor. But interestingly enough and I think Literally for the first time this season, Scotty Barnes was available and he came off the bench. And as you heard in that clip right at the start, he got a massive 
massive boost. Not only was he coming back from what looked like a season-ending or a playoff-ending injury, he just won Rookie of the Year. Now, we'll do a separate episode on that because it's been... shows what an absolute magic draft pick it was from Masai Ujiri. It shows how Scotty Barnes' fundamentals have really come on. And in this game, he didn't look particularly comfortable on the offensive end. He was 1 of 6 from the field, 0 of 4 from three point, the three-point line, but he got to the charity stripe reasonably. Uh, there was a beautiful and one just to start the second half, just to, you know, inject that bit of vigor into the Raptors' performance, especially as during the first quarter, I believe, uh, it looked like he'd rolled his ankle and would not be able to return, but he came out strong. And, you know, for your guys playing point to get 11 rebounds, that's sort of a special, special performance. What, what it likes of Russell Westbrook used to do. And he ended up a plus three on the floor despite poor shooting performance. So shout out Scotty Barnes. And it's very likely that he came in, obviously played 26 minutes today, eased in. He will be back even stronger for game four. And we'll discuss, we'll maybe do a preview of that at the end of this episode. But with no recognized point guard that at least that Nick Nurse trusts and I mean Flynn got a one minute today um, and that really shows what Nick Nurse thinks of him even though he's probably the best defender of Tyrese Maxey if I'm honest but you know he's a black hole in offense and the likes of Scotty and Siakam basically are going to be running point the next game and a little bit of a bonus right we never like to see Van Vliet out but because he was out the Raptors were able to play that six foot nine positionless basketball. They were running lineups essentially, uh, either Scotty or Siakam would run point. Then you have OG mainly in the game, and then maybe you mix up uh, Boucher, Achua, Thaddeus Young. And you know, you've got that switchable basketball. And it was notable in this game that the Raptors, after three games of almost Philly nullifying whatever the what the Raptors are good at which of course is offensive rebounding transition basketball forcing turnovers the Raptors essentially seem to do everything right today Philly in the end with 15 turnovers now the Raptors didn't take care of the ball so well themselves with 11 but the fast break points were completely worth it and 13 offensive rebounds to six they out rebounded a very big team in the Raptors you know in the 76ers sorry only allowed Joel Embiid to grab eight rebounds and forced him into five turnovers and of course James Harden himself was forced into four so the Raptors were doing everything right I think if you think of game one and two as probably being won by the 76ers a large factor was their ability to get to the free throw line and the Raptors' inability, whether it was their own naivety or whether it was whistle-happy refs, to play physical defense. Game 3 sort of showed that Philly, just with their technical ability, especially Embiid, can just beat you whatever happens. And you need to come up with an effective defensive plan. The rotations weren't good enough in Game 3, but in this one you could see a clear plan whenever the ball got into Embiid. So firstly, the plan was to deny him in the low post because he got there a couple of times early on and, you know, against the likes of Thad, against the likes of Boucher. Ken Butch started this game but didn't really, wasn't really a factor. He only played six minutes, but he started just to test it out because he's not been a terrible defender of Embiid. But essentially Embiid stopped him getting in the low post and if he gets it uh, on the floated catch, double him immediately. So what that did was force the ball out of his hands early 
And as we said, he got five turnovers, but there was a lot of times he was just not, even outside of those turnovers, not making the right pass, not putting the right weight on it. Maybe it's a little too high, a little too low. And essentially it makes it more difficult for, you know, the shooter or the next ball handler. And that's something that doesn't show up on the box score, of course, but it's something that the Raptors did extremely well. And of course, all credit must go to Thad Young. He was Embiid's main defender today. It was something new, definitely. And of course, Thad uh, coming off an injury, um, wasn't a ve- kind of didn't play so many minutes in game two, wasn't able to. Game three, a bit of a non-factor. But this game, he really did an excellent, excellent job on Joel Embiid. So not only, I mean, if you looked at his uh, time at the Bolt, he would play as a small ball center. He is listed as a power point forward, but he would play as a small ball center. And he kind of showed his ability here, especially his strength. Uh, he grabbed four offensive rebounds. He was plus 14 on the floor. And what we said before, I believe it was a couple of episodes ago, he's a very sensible, sensible shooter on the offensive end. He went one of three from three points. He was left open mainly. And as we said, Embiid would kind of be happy to leave Thad Young open pretty much as he would look to block that uh, driving lane for Siakam. But he went six of nine from the field overall. And, you know, it's just a very efficient performance on both ends. Three steals, I should add, to that. But he was a major, major part of why the Raptors were able to kind of nullify Embiid. And, you know, you look at it, Embiid's stat line today, uh, 21 points, 8 rebounds, 5 turnovers. He only got to the free throw line 9 times, which is a big part of it. But the Raptors were pretty sensible in terms of, you know, there was a degree of vengeance I would say game two and game three especially to kind of punish Embiid uh, who himself of course told Nick Nurse to stop complaining about calls Uh, but the Raptors kind of kept their cool heads in here there was one little moment with OG at the end getting a technical but they kept their heads and it was Embiid who was the one who was getting frustrated visibly visibly so whenever he was being doubled he could not handle it you know, it was absolutely brilliant to watch. And of course, they will change things up for Game 5 on Monday. You know, Embiid is not Jokic. Embiid is not that kind of player. So they will change things up. And of course, 22 points, he did have some success. Uh, but he shot under um, he shot under 50% from the field. He wasn't that much of a factor in his 35 minutes on the floor. And uh, quite frankly, I'm surprised that they didn't play B-ball Paul a little bit more. He was looked very lively in his nine minutes. I know a couple of that was in garbage time. But eight points, including two of two from behind the arc. He was a, maybe a little bit better spacing-wise for Philly. And of course, one thing, one major factor in this is that Embiid's right thumb is something he's likely to require surgery on afterwards. It didn't look comfortable. It hasn't looked comfortable in game three and game four. But of course, Embiid's the kind of guy who will hit that game winner in game three, even with a broken thumb. And of course, uh, if you remember back to 2019, Kyle Lowry actually played with something similar uh, in his left thumb, I believe. So, you know, it's not unprecedented, it's not unheard of, but it seems the Raptor maybe, maybe, and I don't think this is a one-off just because of how slick and efficient the rotations were, have worked out Joel Embiid and maybe have not having Fred Van Vliet and having, you know, that's the guy obviously cannot switch onto Embiid, cannot double with Embiid, might be a little blessing in disguise. And last, lastly, while we're still talking about the positive, you've got to give a shout out to Gary Trent Jr. Didn't look amazing on the box score, but 
some difficult shots made towards the end of the shot clock in the first half really helped dig the Raptors out of some, you know, lackluster possessions and cobble together that initial lead. But we do have to come onto the negatives, of course. And, you know, while the likes of, you know, OG were pl- and others were plus on the field, it wasn't ideal from an offensive end. The Raptors only shot um, 23 from three. They went eight of 34. Philly pretty much shot a reasonable clip. You'd say it's not bad defending. Um, They shot 42%, 13 of 31. James Harden in particular, guilty. And uh, Danny Green, they went two of eight and two of seven, respectively. But it's on the Raptors' end because they weren't necessarily taking that many contested threes. They were open uh, for the most part. But you look at OG, one of seven. Siakam, you'd kind of forgive him going one of four because... You know, he was bullying on the inside and he didn't play 44 minutes. Van Vliet, one of three in his time. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., of course, three of ten. And while it looked like he was getting into a rhythm, there is still some weakness and streakiness in his game that, you know, you can compare to Danny Green. So when you come out on Monday, you do need that spacing. And it's something that, while Fred Van Vliet's loss maybe on the defensive end, won't be missed all too much especially in this game you struggle to see who will turn up with the trays and apart from Gary Trent um, you're not looking at Siakam or Barnes as a reliable shooter so it's got to be OG kind of getting those reps getting himself back into form I mean he had a decent game and the one three that he did make was could I think it could be well be considered a dagger it was an excellent three in the fourth quarter um, contested by Tyrese Maxey but you know he drilled it and It's quite a brave one as well because he maybe should have shifted it right to Gary Trent Jr. But I suppose when none of you can make a shot, you may as well just jack it up yourself, right? So where do we go in terms of starting lineups ahead of Game 5? Assuming Fred Van Vliet doesn't come back, of course you've got to start uh, Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam together. One of them has to run the point at a time. You can then have the space to start Gary Trent Jr., and OG Ananobi. And it's interesting that fifth man, you'd probably go safe and traditional and maybe start with Ken Birch and give Thad Young those minutes. But there's also the option of Precious Achua. I think Boucher is not ready just yet. I mean, he showed amazing hustle today, but it's not ready for that starting position yet, especially against Embiid. But Precious didn't do a bad job today. He was plus 10 on the field and late in the fourth quarter, an amazing kind of jump step. Uh, to extend the Raptors lead it will be basically between him and Thad in terms of getting the bulk of those minutes but having kind of those different types of MB defenders isn't necessarily a bad thing of course Chua brings that raw energy and athleticism Thad brings that experience and you know this podcast has been so high on him since ever since we picked him up it's going to be a deep run I mean I think the last podcast we said this is the minimum we want is you know, let's extend it into the second week. Uh, even if we lose in five, in it's going to be difficult. You're going to come up against, you know, I don't think they'll be nervous at 3-1. If we do take another one, the nerves will start kicking in for Philly. But instead, I think they'll just be frustrated. They'll be angry. They were probably hoping to sweep, get Embiid's thumb some rest, get themselves some rest against what's likely to be a pretty tough matchup. I mean, the Hawks are looking pretty good. I still think Miami will reign supreme, but either of those teams are looking pretty good and will probably be more of a test than the Raptors but I mean there's nothing you can do but be proud of this team going forward underachievers or should I say overachievers 
Scotty Barnes winning Rookie of the Year, Siakam looking like a number one option, and pretty much the whole team just just together at the minute. Nick Nurse has done such a wonderful job, and um, you know, shouts out about to him should be Coach of the Year. Probably won't be nominated as one, especially with performances for some Western Conference teams. But what what a performance today, and it's kept the Raptors series alive, and it's kept some hope alive. Because goddamn, we could not face another sweep.